Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, good to see you all. We are today looking at our final talk in the One Body series. It's been good, hasn't it? Been looking at this theme from based in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, but looking at diversity and unity in the church. How can we remain unified as one, as a church family, uh, and even beyond that in the church family, uh, as we've looked at in recent weeks, despite our differences and our diversity. And there's been some good stuff, some encouraging stuff, some challenging stuff, um, some affirming stuff that we have heard over these past weeks. Now, I don't know about you, and maybe I'm just like heavily influenced by um, recent events in the news, but my personal observation of the world as we currently know it is that we're not necessarily growing more united as, as a world, as a culture. That would be my personal observation. There are a few sniggers in the room as if I've maybe downplayed this. Um, <laughs> in in my, my observation would be that we are growing more and more divided, actually, not more and more united. The prevailing culture appears to be more polarized than I've certainly ever know it, known it. And I'm not you know, I've not been around forever, but it feels like to me like we are, we are more in opposition against one, one another, more divided from others than we have been previously. What, what do we do with that? I mean, how do we respond to that as followers of Jesus? The, the temptation is to just kind of moan, point the finger, right, to complain. Well, you know, just get together and work it out, just tell people what to do. But maybe that's the kind of default approach. But I, I want to suggest today that there is a more helpful approach for us as followers of Jesus in, in how, we, how we address the divisions in the world around us, okay? Now, to, 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 to get there and to talk about what we want to talk about today, I want us first to think about what, what I'm going to call the prophetic nature of the church. Now, if you have been part of, you know, New Frontiers, Christ Central, the church like ours for a while, we, I don't think personally that, that we do this as often as when we go to the big conferences and stuff, but it feels like you can put that word prophetic in front of anything and it just gives it more meaning. Don't quite know what or why it's used, but you can have a prophetic drum solo or a <laughs> prophetic anything. <laughs> Amen from the drummer at the back. <laughs> But, but what do I mean when I talk about the prophetic nature of the church? Well, um, it was always taught to me that there are, there are kind of two meanings of that word prophetic or two different kind of um, things, elements of, of what something that makes something prophetic. And, uh, and the first one is something that can be or something is like foretelling. So it's about revealing God's plan for the future. Um, you know, as he directs us and speaks to us and reveals something about the future for someone's life or an organization or a church, we would bring that and say, we believe that God is going to do that. We are foretelling. And, uh, and that is part of what it means to be prophetic. But there's another part of it as well that was always taught to me is that prophetic is also about foretelling. Essentially, speaking forth um, God's truth, bringing God's truth to bear as God directs us. So where, where something that is just true and right and of God, where we communicate that and speak that forth, then we are being prophetic. And, and the reality is being prophetic is both of those things. But, but really, I want to I talk about that second one in terms of the nature 
of the church. It, I think we would all agree that it is part of the mission of the church. It is a, a calling that God has on us to be prophetic in our nature, to speak forth God's truth on his behalf to the world around us. I don't think that is a controversial thing to say. So we should be speaking up and speaking out around all kinds of different issues, you know, with authority, where there is injustice. We should be a a people who, who speak up, who raise our voices. But somebody said something to me a few years ago, which has stuck with me ever since. In terms of how, how, do we, how do we actually speak into an issue with authority? And their point was, essentially, that to speak into an issue of, in the world around us where we see God's truth needs to be brought, actually we do so from a position of authority when we also offer solutions and live out those solutions. So, so the example that was given to me um, w- was around the issue of abortion. And I know we don't talk about this issue very much, okay, because it's a kind of heated hot potato of an issue in our culture. But I think I would be safe in saying that the vast majority of Christians would agree that terminating life in the womb is not a good thing. I think that's a fairly safe thing to say. We would the vast majority would be in agreement with that. We might disagree on public policy around these issues, but to say that terminating a life in the womb is not a good thing, I think would be widely agreed with. Now, we as a church have a, have a responsibility, don't we, as the church in the UK, to speak up on issues such as this. But the individual kind of talking about this said something very helpful, and they said, unless we as the church are also willing to provide solutions, to come up with alternatives, then actually we, we kind of, we don't have, we don't speak into that with as much authority if we're not doing that. They highlighted some of the, the, the work of some charities, such as you might have come across the charity Home for Good, encouraging fostering and adoption amongst Christians as a way of just kind of serving our culture, society around us, and I know many of you in the church are involved in fostering and adoption, and they were saying, look, where the church offers an alternative, does something on this issue, you then gain additional authority on which you can speak up about an issue like abortion. It was amazing to hear, one of my favorite stories about this was um, uh, many years ago now, not, not too long ago, I think around the time of the, the financial crash in 2008, um, I might be slightly off on my timings, but in Southampton, um, there was a whole lot of churches who came together uh, to work together to serve their city, and they called, they called themselves Love Southampton. Like, how do we demonstrate God's love to Southampton? And they went and approached the, the city council, and they said, look, how can we serve? Like, what, what needs to happen? And the city council came back with a handful of priorities and said, if the church could help with this, it would be amazing. And, uh, and one of the needs was an urgent need. The council was spending millions of pounds on, on trying to recruit foster families for children in the care system. And, uh, and so the church said, okay, we can do something about that. And they rallied around the church in Southampton. And in the first year, they had 70 people from churches in Southampton apply to foster in their city. This was them not just kind of speaking up about an issue, but, but 
but acting out God's compassion, acting out an alternative solution that enabled them. It wasn't just to do it so they could have a platform to speak on, but how much more authority can you speak about an issue with if you're also presenting an alternative and living that out as the church? If we apply that to this issue of a divided world, a polarised world, what does that look like? I want to suggest that we can speak up on this issue of division. We can say this is not good. We can speak out about polarisation, about extreme views competing against against one another, about people saying I can't be friends with somebody who I disagree with about this issue. And we can do so with much more authority if we're demonstrating a better alternative. If we are demonstrating in the church this, this sense of being unified in spite of our differences, being both diverse and united, then we have authority to speak into this issue. If you don't believe me, let's listen to what Jesus has to say about it. In John 13, very famous verses, we're going to start at um, verse 34. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he's gathered them round, he's teaching them about all kinds of different things. And he says this in uh, John 13, verse 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And then he says this. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus is saying, look, you, the way that you treat one another, the way that you love one another, in effect, is an advert. It's, it's an advert to the world about what it means to be church, but it's an advert about something else as well. We're going to have a little quiz in the middle of my talk, if that is okay. I have no idea how this is going to work on Zoom, I'll be honest about this. But I'm going to show you some images. And, uh, and these are from famous and some of my favourite adverts of all time, okay? And I want you to see if you can think of the brand or the company that these images are... Um, are kind of trying to advertise. Okay, so uh, they should come up kind of overlaid in the corner of my, my kind of thing. So if you're not, if you haven't got me on full screen, you might want to get me on full screen. Okay, Tinika, let's go for that first one. Okay, does anyone, anyone know what that is in the room? And what was that advert? Oh, if you, they're, they're puzzled in the room. I'm going to need somebody on the chat to do this. Okay, come on, somebody on Zoom. Who's it going to be? Type it in if you know it. It's a famous one. The man has a fight with the bear over what? What are they fighting over? I thought this would be easy. John West, well done. Nancy O'Neill is the winner. Well done. This is John West. Other, I'm not going to say each time, but you know that I'm not advertising these things personally. Right, next one. Okay. Uh, anyone remember this one? What was that very famous advert? It was Sony TV, Sony Bravia. Well done, John Day in the room got there first. This was the bouncing balls down the street in San Francisco, yeah? Do you remember that? The very famous one. Okay, next one, Tinika. What was this one? Do you remember? It's a car made out of cake. Skoda. Yes, it was. Pete Sloan in the room was the first one this time. Skoda. 
Skoda cars, do you remember that? It took them hours and hours to make a cake, a full-sized car cake for this advertisement. Okay, next one. <laughs> that way. Look at this guy. <laughs> Who's this advertising? Not Go Compare, Wendy. Go Compare is the guy with the moustache singing. Compare the market. Well done, Rachel Bully. You got there quick. Compare the market. Compare the meerkat. Yes, you remember that one? Very famous one. All right, next one. What was this one? This is a bit older now because I'm not sure these things even exist anymore. That is... Um, I've forgotten his name. He's the Irish guy. And he's given a haircut to his niece... The Yellow Pages, correct, well done. Uh, those of you who remember Yellow Pages, okay? So this, this was, what's his name, that guy? I've forgotten his name completely. Who, Nesbitt? Somebody Nesbitt. James Nesbitt, that's it. <laughs> James Nesbitt cuts his niece's hair and makes a terrible job of it and has to find a hairdresser. And it's very funny, anyway, it's a great advert. Okay, next one. <laughs> who, <laughs> this guy... Halifax. Everyone uniformly in the room knew that one immediately. This was Howard. Do you remember him? Who gives you extra and all of that? Yeah. Okay, next one. What is that? So th this, was, this is a trickier one because it's not very obvious what that is, but, but there are lots of different car parts. Honda, Ian Wright. Oh, the O'Neills are on fire. The O'Neills just beat Ian Wright to that one. This was an advert for Honda. Do you remember? There was all sorts of different things. It's like the Rubik's what's-its-name machine thing, and it all did a thing, and then there was a car at the end. Very good. Okay, next one. How about this? Come on. We've arrived at the punchline. <laughs> what is this an advertisement for? <laughs> This is, this is an advertisement for Jesus, right? This is my point. We, the way we... That's Gateway Church, for those of you who didn't realise. That's us on our last church weekend away. We, social distancing. <laughs> well done, Ali Hogman. Always got a one-liner, haven't you? <laughs> this is an advertisement for Jesus. The way we love one another is an advert for Jesus. Jesus decided that you and I and the way we loved one another would be the best way to advertise himself to the world. Isn't that an incredible thought? One of the most effective ways we can communicate the good news about Jesus to the world around us is the way that we treat one another, the way that we love one another. And you guys are really good at this. I heard a great story this week. Um, from somebody who received a message on WhatsApp, just asking them. Uh, a fellow Life Group member sent them a message saying, how are you doing? This person answered honestly, very honestly, to this individual and just explained that they were having a, going through a pretty tough time at the moment and weren't actually feeling particularly well at all. All kinds of things going on in life. Anyway, what this individual had not realised was that the individual in their life group who sent them this message had sent it to them in the group chat of their life group. So in responding very honestly to this individual's question, they inadvertently responded to the entire life group. Now, I don't know if you've ever done that, made that kind of mistake and thought, oh, what on earth? Now, this person explained to me 
that they were blown away by the kindness and love that was demonstrated to them because they shared openly with their life group. This person had meals dropped around to them, cards written, lots of messages. They were overwhelmed by the demonstration of love that was shown to them by the members of their life group. That is one story from this week. I know of so many different occasions and stories of people in the church where people have been generous and kind and loving and compassionate and forgiving to one another. Just humor me for a moment. Would you raise your hand on Zoom and in the room if anyone has ever dropped a meal round at your door or you've ever dropped a meal round at someone else's door in the church? Just wave at me, okay. That is a lot of people. It seems to be like one of the ways, it's like our love language as a church, I think, is like food. <laughs> Here, have food. I don't know what else I can do for you. I did that to a neighbor once who told me there was something going on um, in his life, a really big situation. I was like, I don't know what to do. I'll just make some food and drop it. Well, Rona did. And we <laughs> dropped it round on their doorstep and they were blown away by it. This is one of the ways we demonstrate love for one another, isn't it? But I, I also know of hampers being delivered to people's doors, of vouchers and cash being left on doorsteps and through letterboxes, of all kinds of different ways that you love one another and you show that love to one another. We talk about, don't we, as a church, being a people who demonstrate and proclaim the good news of God's kingdom. And one of the ways that we do that, one of the ways we demonstrate and proclaim to the world the good news about God's kingdom is by loving one another and then shouting about it. I, I feel like God might be kind of challenging us today to shout about this a little bit more, to, to, to tell of the good things that you have been shown to you by other people. Now, let's be honest about this. I, it, it comes across very, very different if we start shouting about our own good deeds, like as an individual, right? This is not kind of full permission to, to go around to your neighbor's house and say, oh, don't you know, I, um, I went around and I showed love to this other fellow church member the other day. How wonderful are we as a church because I did this? That comes across slightly less than good, doesn't it? <laughs> so this is about permission to, to, when you are on the receiving end or when you hear a story of how loving someone has been to another individual or to you in the church, I think we should shout about it. That, I honestly believe that is a form of evangelism. You know, sometimes we might think, oh, I'm not very good at telling people about Jesus. I get all clammy. And I, but, but how easy is it to say, can I tell you a story about what somebody did in our church recently? I'd love that story. I told it a while ago. I'll tell it again about somebody who, who gave a car that they had inherited to somebody else who just desperately needed a car. Things like that, they're easy to tell, right? That's an easy way of communicating the good news of God's kingdom to other people, okay? So, I, I want to just kind of caveat this, <laughs> okay? We, we don't have to pretend here that church is perfect. That's not what I'm asking us to do here. We don't have to kind of cover up all of the, the warts and everything else that make up church life. We don't have to pretend like everything's perfect, but we can shout about it. And just specifically, just want to kind of say as well, you know, what, one of the great things we can demonstrate is forgiveness 
Like, and, and that, and, and what I mean by that is like, if somebody in the church wrongs you, right, we just, we can go straight to Matthew 18 to Jesus, who gives us a model of how to reconcile, right? We approach that person directly. If they, if it's, if we're reconciled and, and it's worked out, great. If not, we get one or two others, we do the same. And then there are kind of further steps involving other people if necessary. But in a world that is finding it hard to forgive one another, we can demonstrate forgiveness and we can tell stories of forgiveness about how somebody forgave us when we wronged them in the church. I think those are great stories to be able to share with other people. Okay, so I've just, I'm, I'm nearly done here. I've got two questions that I, I, I want to just kind of challenge us with really collectively today. Uh, and then I want us just to reflect on some, some verses in the Bible that I think are really relevant to this. Okay, so the first question is this. Are there any ways that the Holy Spirit might be challenging you to love others in the church better? It's bad English, isn't it? In a better way. Uh, are there any ways that the Holy Spirit might be challenging you to demonstrate love to others in the church in a better way. I, I, I want to, I'm not going to pause here. We're going to loop back around and look at that question again in a minute. But the second question that I want us to consider is this. Are there examples that you know of, of, of people in the church showing love to you or to others that you might be able to shout about with people in the world around you, colleagues, family members, neighbours, friends? Are there just some, some really obvious examples you're aware of that could be almost like your go-to story of, can I tell you this story about something that happened in our church? Just as a kind of way in to demonstrating and telling people about God's love. Like, are there any relevant examples? And then how might you share them? You know, I, I don't know what the answer is for you, but, but looking for those opportunities to share stories of generosity and love. So I want us to loop back around, like I said, to that question. We don't need to kind of put it up again. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit might just be wanting to kind of speak to us afresh, uniquely, individually, as he wishes. This whole series that we've been looking at has been founded in 1 Corinthians 12, really. This picture that Paul gives the church in Corinth where he describes the, the church as the body of Christ. And we've learned so much, and I'm not going to recap those verses, but we've learned so much over the last few weeks about what it means that every part is valuable, that we all need one another. And, and, uh, and really, what, where I want to go next and kind of finish up with this is that, that 1 Corinthians 12 goes somewhere. <laughs> like Paul's letters... <coughs> are structured in a really helpful way because he challenges the church to be one body and, and, and then he arrives somewhere and he arrives at the end of chapter 12 with this line. He says, but now let me show you a life, a way of life that is best of all. He says, look, this is how you do it. If you want to know what does it look like to be one body, how do we show that love to one another? What does that love look like, then Paul is going to give us the answer here in these very famous verses. And I'm going to read them, and I'm going to read them slowly, because I, I genuinely believe that, you know, this is, 
this is some truth that God wants to speak to us afresh today. This isn't just like, let's skim over a nice Bible verse here. This is, let, let's allow these words of truth to speak to us, to challenge us, particularly about how we treat one another, about how we love one another. So I'm going to read kind of the first few verses, probably we'll just read them through, but then when we get to the famous bit around verse four, I'm going to go a bit slower, okay, and, and we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And here's what this love looks like, okay? Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. If you just put that last slide up for me, um, Tinica. These are some of the descriptions there you, that Paul uses for love. Could they be used as an accurate description for how we love one another in the church? I'm just going to leave them there for a moment while I pray. And if the musicians want to come up and get yourselves ready. But I'm going to leave these up while I pray. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to, to challenge us, to convict us. Maybe there's like one thing that the Holy Spirit wants to encourage us to do off the back of this today, looking at that list of things. One conversation we need to have with somebody else in the church to resolve something. One practical way that he wants us to demonstrate his love to somebody else in the church. I'm just going to pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us a better way you have shown us a way of life that is best of all. And it looks like a life marked with love. Jesus, I thank you that you didn't just say these things. You didn't just inspire Paul to write these things. You put it into action. You demonstrated your love. You lived this out perfectly. And beyond that, you gave us your Holy Spirit so that we can be people who are marked by love. So that we, by loving one another well, 
can be a memorable and good advert for you and your kingdom. God, I just want to pray for us as a church. I want to thank you for the love that is shown and felt amongst this body here. But Father, we don't want to rest on our laurels. We want to be people who are continually being shaped into the likeness of Jesus. We want to be people who allow your Holy Spirit to work on our hearts, our thoughts, our actions, so that we continue to grow in love for one another, in love for you, in love for those around us. God, as Paul describes love in just these powerful and meaningful ways, God, would you ingrain our hearts with these virtues, with patience and kindness, with humility, with forgiveness, with a, a, a hope that endures, would we be people who are quick to forgive and slow to anger, people who continue to hope the best about one another, people who are radical in our generosity toward one another. God, we, we want to be all of those things. We can't do it in our own strength. So we continue to pray, Holy Spirit, would you change us from the inside out help us to be obedient to all you call us to thank you father amen